0: Yo, Yo, Mr. I
1: can. Can. listening audience live from the biggest small town in America it's the Saturday night special with Amy goo
2: 720 WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guth. And tonight's program on the Saturday Night Special is all about film, specifically independent film. And what a fascinating moment that it's really having. And what better place to talk about independent film than from right here in Chicago. After all, in the early 1900s, it was Chicago who had the highest number of film production companies and filmmakers. Not Hollywood, Chicago. But Here's what happened next. Given high demand of silent pictures at the time, a black market for both film and equipment quickly formed, and in retaliation of major studios, independent film companies and filmmakers went west in search of warmer weather and to outrun the reach of the big studios. Of course, we all know now Los Angeles is the center of the film industry. But with film equipment and distribution becoming increasingly accessible thanks to emerging camera technology, other technology and to platforms like YouTube and Vimeo, it's all shifting again to put more power than ever in the hands of independent filmmakers yet again. Chicago, of course, is all over this. While for years, plenty of big budget projects filmed here for both film and television, plenty of independent filmmakers also cut their teeth here in the Windy City. And once they did, they moved west to that Southern California epicenter. Then, for a while in the 1980s, big studios leaned heavily on Chicago once again with locally set films that put Illinois in the lead for money spent on film production, including Ferris Bueller, the Blues Brothers, John Hughes and his Brat Pack, and others like Planes, Trains and Automobiles and The Untouchables. In that moment, Hollywood needed Chicago. Chicago. But now, suddenly, we're seeing plenty of filmmakers and producers doing just fine with no plan to move west at all. Resources like film festivals, film business incubators, and even the big shows filmed here. Well, they all hint that Chicago is on the rise in the film world in new ways once again. So tonight, we're taking a look at the state of independent film in Chicago and beyond. Not the set of Transformers that set off pyrotechnics all over Michigan Avenue a few years ago, though that was pretty cool to watch. But the independent filmmakers committed to originally original storytelling and making great films and to investing in the scrappy and supportive community of Chicago independent film with sheer Effort. I'm Amy Guth, and that's all coming up tonight on the Saturday Night Special. We're also going to be joined by a special guest, co host tonight, founder and principal at Potenza Productions, and Emmy Award winning director, Rocco Cataldo, is here and lending us his expertise in the film industry so we can all learn from him about the topic of independent filmmaking. With that said, let's get into it. We'll be right back to get the conversation underway on 720 WGN.
1: I'm right behind my back
2: 720 WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guth, and this is the Saturday night special. Thanks for being with us this evening. Always grateful to you for sharing part of your Saturday evening with me and tuning in. So as ever, we take one big topic and we spend the whole night talking about it, and tonight that topic is independent film. We have a lot to talk about. There's a lot to that, especially when we think of the role that the digital disruption has played in film and how it's made it suddenly a lot more accessible. But with that... Also, comes a lot more content, so there's a lot of questions and a lot of people making films, but how does the good stuff rise to the top? We don't know. We're going to find that out tonight. We have a co-host tonight, special guest. Rocco Cataldo is here. He's founder and principal at Potenza Productions and is an Emmy Award-winning director. He'll be lending his expertise tonight. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us.
0: Amy, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you.
2: So, when we talk about independent filmmaking, I think for a long time, we thought of independent films as just kind of being like art house stuff mm. and things that were obscure. And and it seems like the lines, even even the last time we, we talked about this topic on the show, it seems like even then, in that short amount of time, the lines have blurred even more with television looking a lot more cinematic, with so much more content, with it being still relatively easy to, you know, go from zero to 60 and make a film equipment wise. So kind of what are, what is the state of things, generally speaking, from your perspective?
0: the state of independent filmmaking Um, there's just a lot there's a lot content is king and there's a lot of uh, distribution out there we have you know between uh, Vimeo YouTube uh, even things um, like Instagram all the social media outlets so filmmakers I think in today's age really have an opportunity to brand themselves as storytellers so it's not as much uh, filmmaking as much as it is telling stories and I think with uh, the modern day social media and technology I think uh, people have an opportunity to really brand themselves and become storytellers so it's not just about one thing anymore Uh, it's about several several ways that you can get your story out there so people can embrace you because it
2: that, it's interesting that you say that, though, because I think, I, I'm i often drawing parallels to other creative industries. I mean, for my own work, I have a foot in a couple of different. I have it in, in filmmaking and I have it in, here in broadcast and also in, in publishing and storytelling and, and all that. And, and what you're, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of what happened when techno, when, uh, social media hit the, the literary community. Because suddenly it wasn't just like you turn in your manuscript and you're done. It was, you couldn't get a book deal unless you had this persona online, unless you embraced all the technology around you. And it seemed like there was a, uh, there was some lag time between when that started, when that started happening, and when authors really took to it and embraced it. And, and, from your point of view, do you feel like filmmakers are in that same space, like there's still a reluctance to embrace, like being a, I'm going to do radio air quotes, being a quote-unquote brand, as as opposed to just like delivering, like shipping the film and off you go?
0: I, I think they are reluctant, but uh, at the same time, I think um, filmmaking, unlike uh, being a writer with books or even a musician, when technology really hit with musicians... Um, Spotify yeah um, I, I think for filmmakers right now um, it 's difficult because it 's such a fluid industry. It takes a lot not only to get uh, money for a film or just being able to uh, tell a story and get a whole a group of people to be able to do that, so I think that's why I don't think that they're reluctant because there's such a, uh, you can make such an impact by really just telling a short story. And, and, I, and I think the short stories are making a comeback. Uh, before you used to make a short in hopes of the big time, you know, hitting the film festivals so maybe somebody might look at you to be able to give you a feature film. Uh, but now I think filmmakers are embracing the short form because that's they might not look at it as branding. They just look at it as, hey, we have the opportunity to tell as many stories as we can. Um, and, and content always reigns. Content
2: I mean, that's interesting to think about, right? Because, yeah, for a long time it was, you made a short film as a means to an end. It was Mm -hmm. a vehicle to get funding for uh, a feature film. And and it does seem anyway that, that, uh, you're right, that that's moving a bit and that's uh, moving to a place of... uh, you know, more of an appetite for shorter films. Do you think that is because of technology? Do you think that's about attention span and uh, you know the 140 character soundbite? Uh, do you think it's about that, or is that is it about something even bigger in the you know collective mind of filmmakers?
0: It's a great question. Um I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think as as, as a filmmaker and doing this for a long time, uh, I respect the process, and the process means a lot in just being able to tell the story, getting people together to collaborate with, um, you know, writing the script and developing and developing the story. Uh, but at the same time, I think we're in a unique place where. Um, all of these new technologies were able to tell a story on the drop of a dime. So we could, you know, go out here today and just shoot something on our iPhone. And uh, I think it's just a a, a way to keep creative. Um, And I think that that where you draw the line is uh, how much do you respect the process to be able to get a story out there? Because essentially that's what people – that's what people embrace people want to know you they want to know your story they want to they want to have something in common just like when you listen to a piece of music it's um, it's not visual but you really get the sense of what the artist is trying to say um,
2: and it seems like we're, we have gotten into a moment where where audiences and I think you've kind of hinted at this where audiences aren't really content just to I will watch this person's work. They want to know more about the person creating it. I think in, in much deeper way. I mean, we've always had an appetite, right, for like our celebrities yeah. and we want to know all their dirt and all that stuff. And I think that's always been there. But it seems like in the, Age of social media, we we want to know a lot more.
0: Yeah, because the audience not only did the technology change, but the audience changed. Because now the group of people that uh, you you know back I say in the day with the radio air quotes, but you know back in the day we didn't have all of all of this and all of this technology. So the audience changed as well. So when the audience changes, uh, your way of doing things in order to speak to the audience or tell them a story changes. And I think that that's why uh, you embrace the social media if you're a filmmaker and use it like always respect the process but at the end of the day use the technology to help you tell a story and I think uh, when you do tell a story especially in filmmaking you want to appreciate the audience because at the end of the day they're going to you're doing it for them as much as you're doing it for yourself but I think uh, to answer your question is as much as the audience changes you kind of want to adapt to that to be able to tell them a story and I think that's why social media is so big because all the the audience now is just so used to uh, digital they're used to social media the instagram the facebook the twitter and
2: like used to a certain level of access it seems like exactly. too and, and immediacy so i want to shift a bit and talk about your own path because mm-hmm. you um you've navigated film work pre-social media and continue to um so tell us a bit about about your work so we can all hear that story
0: well, it's been about uh, 20 years I've been in the industry, and it, we, we started off doing a lot of music videos. Um, and I should say at Potenza, uh, also co-founder my business partner, Mike Wilford, and I have been working together for about 20 years. And in that 20 years, we started off uh, doing a lot of music videos because there was just so much music out there. Uh, so we were hustling every day to try to get the cameras that we didn't have access to, shooting film and um and then th- that just developed in the, really the short story format. Uh, and music videos were always a great way to try different things. Uh, and, you know, develop your skill set a lot more because it wasn't necessarily narrative and telling a story. It was more just visually being able to tell a story. And I think that prepped us to where we are today. Uh, In the short form And what we do with the company a lot Is being able to tell uh, a story And and a narrative for people Whether it be commercial work Or any of the film work that we do Uh, And a lot of the branded uh, work that we do um, It really is about telling a story Because there's so many products out there You you know, you have a million different products Out in the world today you can pick from But I think the audience really uh, responds And and you could really resonate with people When you tell them uh, About the people behind the product and the people behind the brand Uh, and i think that's what we uh what we try to do so it's all always about the story
2: and then what about emergence and that's the film for which you won the emmy for directing Mm -hmm. um how did that come into i mean that's a, a really unique film it's a dance film there's no dialogue in it this very beautiful music and this very dreamy dance sequence uh what is the the thought behind that film
0: The thought, uh, Emily Sarkissian was the brilliant dancer in there. Uh, We've been friends for such a long time, and we always wanted to work together. We always wanted to develop something where we can merge uh, film and just visuals with uh, interpretive dance in what she does. And it was just for the longest time, couldn't think of anything, how we actually going to put our skills together. um, Until one day, just came up with um, just different emotions that people go through from the time that they wake up in the morning till the time that they go to sleep. Uh, And being an immigrant here, uh, a lot of that really didn't matter where your bedroom was. Uh, It was all about trying to be as comfortable in making uh, life what what you can. Uh, And it's a scary place, but at the end of the day, no matter how scary it is, when you fall asleep, and then when you wake up, it's always you start you start the day over uh all the time so that's where that came from uh and it was all just a passion project We picked an alley that was right by our office um and we just i just started shouting out some uh, emotions to her and she just did a dance on the fly that way and it was a very uh passionate uh, it was a passion project and i wasn't expecting it to to do what it did but very proud of that film
2: that that dance is improvised
0: Improvised. All improvised.
2: Wouldn't have guessed that. It looks very, very choreographed. Yeah, I give
0: it to, to Emily. That was all her. So I was just, I was yelling, hey, you're sad, you're happy. You're mad, uh, and she just did a dance to that. So, uh, a lot of respect to her. She's very talented, uh, and we're hoping to do uh, another one coming up here soon.
2: Another focused on dance,
0: focused on dance, uh, because I think it's such a to, to be able to bring out those emotions through movement uh, without any words and just music. I think is a beautiful, beautiful art form, um, and and just dancers I respect to death. I mean, just th- their body and what they do with their body, and to be able to really evoke emotions. You talk about uh, as film evoking emotions visually what they're able to do with their bodies and give that to an audience and let them you know let an audience feel uh their movement i think is just is wonderful so i think uh visuals and dance is a is a great thing so i'm looking to do a lot more with her
2: we're talking with film director Rocco cataldo today he's co-hosting with us tonight tonight's show is all about independent film we're going to take a little break get you the news all that good stuff back in just a bit here on 720 wgn 720 WGN. It's Amy Guth here on the Saturday Night Special. Thanks for being with us going to head to news here in a couple minutes but tonight we're talking all about independent film we we're not going to have any time for callers tonight but if you want to find me on Twitter I'm at Amy Guth G-U-T-H I know some of you sometimes send mail here to Amy Goose like the bird nope it's it's Gooth G-U-T-H like Ruth rhymes with truth uh, anyway you can find me on Twitter at Amy Guth and uh, text me your favorite independent or not text but tweet me your favorite independent film I would love to know about that because there's so many especially cool ones in Chicago um, As we're talking about this topic all tonight. And, uh, you know, we're, we were just talking before the break, Rocco, about, um, about kind of your path into, uh, into filmmaking. And I realize I'm asking you a big question here with just about a minute and a half to answer it. Um, But when, when digital and social media, when that started to uh, come forth, and it's, you know, really become this very ubiquitous thing that it is now, how, what was your, your initial way to adapt to that as a filmmaker?
0: As a filmmaker, I got to be quite honest with you, um, it was, for me, it was very easy to adapt because I think when, when I first got into the industry, I mean, I, I started off um, in the second grade as soon as I, I, I got here from Italy. Um, I played uh, Ichabod Crane's horse uh, in the second grade, and I was, I was like just... I was astounded by everything. I loved it, and it hooked me right away. So whatever chance I got to tell a story, uh, I did. And when we were doing those music videos, even though we were shooting on film, um, I, I just loved doing it. Anybody had music, I'd do a music video for them. So just when technology came to where to where it's at and we had to embrace it. I loved it because it was just the way to be able to tell a story right away without having to, um, without having to wait for anything at all. Uh, but the only thing is, I think, w- between old school and new school, uh, where I lean a little bit more towards the old school is that you always have to respect the process. And there is a process to filmmaking uh, that you can't just go – right away you have to kind of like slow down and actually think about telling the story but other than that I loved that it. it was easy for me
2: yeah yeah I, I mean I think it's interesting when people can just adapt and say I'm still going to do the same thing I'm still going to tell the same story write the same words make the same shot whatever but I'm just going to keep embracing new new platforms as they come up so as ever we take a topic that seems really straightforward like it's just going to be about films and what we should be watching and big topics start emerging when we start pulling at the threads of it indeed so we are it's 730 so we've been Check in with David Jennings for news. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation all about independent filmmaking. 720 WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guth, and this is a Saturday Night Special. As ever, we take one big old topic and we spend all night unpacking it and wrestling with it and thinking about it and seeing where it leads us. And usually, as is usually the case tug at a thread here and look at this and look at that and suddenly what's what what seems like a really straightforward topic is suddenly a really big one with a lot of different paths and tentacles and tonight's topic is no exception we're talking about independent film tonight and that seems really straightforward like okay it's those films that are not necessarily getting that big release maybe it's not that huge blockbuster it's those other ones maybe it's at an art house Mm -mm. so much more than that and so much of that is happening right here in chicago and in the midwest so much of There's so much cool work being done everywhere. And in part, that is because the barrier of entry is a little bit lower. It's a lot easier to make a film now than it was a long time ago. You don't have to have millions and millions and millions of dollars. You can just have a little bit and you can still make a great film and you can distribute your film on platforms like Vimeo and YouTube and things like that. And technology is changing every day and it's really kind of an exciting moment. But to help us unpack this topic, we have to get an expert. So we have uh, a guest with us tonight who is co-hosting. That is Rocco Cataldo. He is founder and principal at Potenza Productions and an Emmy Award-winning director. He's here with us tonight to make sense of all of this. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. I'm going to turn your microphone on and everything as you right. say that.
0: Thank you for having me. <laughs>
2: sure. Glad that you're here. Um, so we were kind of doing a little bit of an overview before the news and, and just kind of some of the big issues. And, of course, digital is such a big part of that conversation right now. And we're thinking about how independent filmmaking or filmmaking at all has really you know, changed just year by year, even month by month. Sometimes there's so much coming at us uh, technology wise. But I want to kind of rewind a little because so often when we're talking about films, we are talking about, um, just kind of like the, the creative inspiration for a film. You know, we'll talk to an actor or a director and just say, Oh, I had this idea and this is what I made. Or we just talk about the finished film. What's this film about? What made you make it? But I wonder if you could kind of talk us through the, uh, the, the, the behind the scenes part, the pre production and the production part, specifically, as it applies right now. um, Because you do so much different work, you do a lot of different kinds of filmmaking. Um, But nonetheless, like no matter what genre you're dealing in, you know, there's a lot of commonalities. And and how that that process maybe has evolved over time as digital has has hit the industry.
0: Uh, well, I think first things first. It's always about story uh, because without story, you don't have anything. Uh, and I think the uh, some of the things that's a little bit different now is that now with technology, and you can you, you can go right away as soon as you have a camera even your iPhone whatever it is um that you kind of tell stories on the fly
2: um okay so i, w- I have a sidebar for you yes. already uh and then we're going to get back to this cuz i want to know your answer and that is uh not too long ago there was this huge think piece i'm going to ha- i'm going to find it for those of you who follow me on twitter i'm going to tweet this out i've tweeted it before but i'm going to tweet it again it was about iphone filmmaking and it was really fascinating and it I think on some level, it was exciting because the iPhone has changed a lot. It's changed what it means to be a witness to a crime. It's changed the role of the bystander. It's changed what it means to be a filmmaker. I mean, it's it's changed just here in the broadcast industry. Like, you can whip out your phone and have something on the news tonight. You can whip out your phone and get audio and put it on the show later that night. So with iPhone filmmaking, as far as narrative films, uh, as opposed to something like documenting something... Sometimes it seems like the iPhone filmmaking, and I would say some have won awards, like Tangerine. Tangerine, right? great film. Gorgeous film Gorgeous. made on an iPhone and cleaned up at, uh, at Sundance. It did really well and continued to do so at other yeah. festivals. Is sometimes, I mean, your message is so strongly here about it doesn't matter the platform, you have to have a solid story and original storytelling and, and strong ideas. Do you feel like sometimes... Uh, the technology overshadows the the story or the quality of the content to the extent that it feels like a gimmick
0: yes, absolutely uh, with the exceptions of things like tangerine because the 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 topic and the story fit with the technology and I think a lot of um, up and coming filmmakers that 's the one area where I think uh, not that they miss on but they don 't pay attention to as much because the story really has to fit the format uh, and i 'm really big into music because I started off with music videos before, and the best example I can give of that is you take a musician right a musician right now with the tools that he has with uh, with audio you can you know he or she can write a story uh, in you know in their own words, make some music out of it, record it, and go the technology. Doesn't hinder their their creativity because you still ha- you still have to write the song you still have to come up with the melody but I think a lot of times the filmmakers they let technology take over. Their story, if that makes sense, and I think that's so. That's why Tangerine works so well because that technology was perfect for the gritty story that the filmmaker wanted to tell, and it blew up at a war for for that reason because it really was a story that fit the technology. And I think a lot of filmmakers now, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm guilty of that too at times because as a filmmaker, it's so difficult to get money for something you want to go all the time. So I get it, uh, but I think just as a community, we need to realize that just like musicians, they're not going to to let the uh the technology take over their way to write a song they're not going to let the technology take over their creativity they're going to use the technology to distribute it uh so people can listen to their art uh and i think as filmmakers we have yet to to get there because i think we we let technology take over a lot of the process um and i think that that's that's not good
2: yeah I want to circle back later in the show to distribution. And I think there's a lot to talk about there, hmm. especially where digital is concerned, because I think that's changed. That's that's probably one of the biggest ways that, that uh, filmmaking has been impacted, probably. Just my guess there hmm. on that one. But let's go back to uh, that process and yes. how, how you've seen it evolve over time as digital tools have been introduced into it, of of pre-production and production of filmmaking.
0: Well, I th- pre-production and production of filmmaking, a lot of time was spent because before... Um, uh, digital came out, it was film and you only had so much film because film costs a lot of money, you only had so much film, so you only had so many takes that you can do. So a lot of pre production was spent on making sure sh- rehearsals were a big thing. You don't get a chance to rehearse a lot anymore because the budgets went down, so producers are really uh they're having a hard time getting the money to make films. Um and so a lot of the time was spent in rehearsals, a lot of the time uh was spent in the really uh, getting into the process of of how this scene is going to work before you even hit or say action before you even roll that camera because you want to make sure that there's only so much film you have and there's only a certain amount of ratio you can shoot at a five to one four to one depending on how many takes uh, that you're going to get because of the film whereas now uh, you're still spending time trying to figure out how the scene's going to work uh, but you're not limited because there's hd you know you're shooting digital so you could just put roll and have that go dump the tape you know and and put it all back in um and it, it you don't focus on that a lot so you're more on on the go and that's what i mean about process and that's great uh you can do that uh but i think that there's a lot to be said to actually slowing down a little bit and focusing on uh exactly what the story and what the what the scene is supposed to be so i think that's one of the biggest differences in in pre-production and, and production that's happening now everything's a lot quicker as is life you know people want information quicker uh but that's one of the biggest things that i see uh not to think technology ruined anything it's just the the system in in which filmmakers work now is a lot quicker than it used to be
2: well i think you're you're starting to approach my next question that is you know what what is um you know t- technology certainly helped in some ways right Film's expensive and sure. now having an sd card you can well okay if someone wants to have a meltdown on set we can just start over and do that again <laughs> and maybe diva-like behavior is encouraged more or uh, there's more room for it now on sets or something uh but what about what about the downside What what is technology hindered in the creative process is it what you're talking about where where maybe there's um some shortcuts to the the, the meat of the the art or is it is it something else that's more technical that that is hurt by technology
0: i think it's just that what, what you hit on i think uh technology is great but i think we've made it our master instead of our servant and mm. i think that's that, that that's the best way that that i can approach it. Is that storytelling is always going to be the same uh people are going to approach storytelling the same but i think with technology um I I think people need to embrace technology, but they need to embrace the story as well. And you have to trust the process. And um, uh, I think you can see that a lot in films now and especially in independent films that you could tell where stories are lacking uh, because filmmakers are having a hard time communicating uh, because they don't take the time to really understand why they're making this film, why they're making this piece of art. Why are people going to pay you uh, or you know, pay to go see this movie? And that hasn't changed. People always want a reason to pay and you go see mm-hmm. the movie. But I think uh, you can tell a lot in stories that um, the filmmaker really great concept. It was a great approach. It looked great because technology makes things look great now. And you have a great TP and you can do that uh But there's always something that's missing. And I think that something that's missing is that uh, as a filmmaker, when you're passionate about a project and you know exactly why you want to tell a story, it shows up on screen. Hmm. Uh, And I think a lot of that is just trusting the process and really paying attention to what story you're trying to tell. And a lot of the times technology, when you get to move quicker, uh, you know, because you can keep rolling without having to worry about anything, because once it's on the hard drive, if your hard drive fills up. Take a half hour, you know, download the footage, and then you have a clean uh, hard drive again, and you can keep going. Uh, And I think that that, that's the biggest uh, downside to it.
2: When you approach uh, a film project, you know, you, you've described this before uh, as as treating each film like a business, mm-hmm. which, which I, I think is an important thing to do, um, to treat each thing like a, a project of its own and its own little business with a beginning, middle and end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what about the uh, do you think it's easier or harder now as a filmmaker to to uh to kind of build on that long-term career trajectory it, it seems like it would be much easier because you can put a lot more stuff out
1: yeah.
2: um because you have to get less funding in theory to make a film now than you used to um but is there a sense of like fighting all the noise with so many people making films that that you think I mean, do you or let me back up and say, do you think that's like the biggest, uh, the biggest obstacle to career building like long term strategies? Or, or do you think it's something else that maybe digital is hurting?
0: You know, I think in part, I think, yeah, I think digital is hurting some of that, but I I, I don't think uh, any of that's changed. I think it's fighting through the noise. And I think the more that you give people to do and the more you throw at them and the more they're going to embrace, they forget why they got into the business in the first place. Hmm. And when you forget why you get into the business in the first place, uh, and I know it's cliche, you just you don't make the same art would you be willing to make a movie knowing that you would never get paid for it just because it's something that you want to do
2: oh i've done that dozens of times yeah i mean i have I sure have. i continue to do so continue
0: to do so and the wallet's showing a little bit sure you know, but uh but because a musician uh they're always going to play music and i think mm-hmm. as, as an artist you have to ask yourself if you're a writer you never got published are you gonna not write anymore if you're an artist you're you know your paintings haven't uh never been on auction they've never been sold are you still going to continue to paint Filmmaking is a little different because filmmaking there's a, there's a big process to be able to tell a story and just to get money to get the people to come help you out. But are you willing to uh, still make a movie for no money because you love doing it and you have to tell your you have to tell that story? So I think when all of these things are hitting you all at once with technology and with the ways you can do things. The noise gets in your head that you forget about the actual process, and you know Hollywood's looking, even independent studios um, are are looking because I think once you um, uh, the, the filmmaker needs to embrace the technology because and, and they have to have a uh, clearly defined um, brand for themselves. They need to be clearly defined on why they're doing what they're doing because that's going to show in their work
2: yeah which is like a whole issue we got to go to break but that's that's a whole other issue i think that opens up which is an age-old debate about uh uh, making the art you want to make versus making something you know will land with an audience and that becomes like a really strange cycle for for creators and i feel like i've had that conversation with so many creative people here on this station that Not going to be something we'll solve tonight, but nonetheless, that circle continues to exist. All right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, more of this, we're talking all about independent film tonight here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, I love that song. I just want to let that one play out. I a mean, am such a go one. It's Amy Guth, and this is a Saturday Night Special. We're talking all about independent film tonight. It's a topic we talk about a lot. We always talk about the arts here and there on this program. And, and as ever, it's never just about, hey, let's watch this movie. Let's do this thing. Let's talk to this person who did this movie. No, 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 no. There's always so many issues and so many interesting paths to take in these topics that we start to unpack here on this program. So... That's when we bring in someone who is an expert. So we have with us tonight as a guest co-host, Rocco Cataldo is here. He's an Emmy award winning director and founder and principal at Potenza Productions here in Chicago. And we've been, we've been talking all about filmmaking. And in particular, we've, it seems like we've really hit on how much, um, how much Digital has changed the filmmaking process in in the couple of decades that you've been doing this, and how interesting that is. Um, I mean, I, I think that's very fascinating. I love to talk with creative people about digital impacts because I, it's. I think we first really saw that hitting the music industry, and then publishing, and then film, and and I think it's really fascinating to watch how it never hits everybody at once. It it goes into different um, different areas of creativity differently, um, and, and so it's cool to see how film. And and TV are adapting to that, and filmmakers in particular. Um, what I'm always curious about, though, in particular with with a, any kind of creative endeavor, is uh, when people talk about filmmaking or, or independent filmmaking in particular. What do you think in, in with your given your expertise? What do you think is generally missing from that conversation, or what do they? What do people often overlook, or maybe not know about independent filmmaking that you just wish that they did?
0: Great question. Um, I think the, the issues that we don't talk about is a little bit going back to a little bit of what I was talking about before about um, respecting the, the the process and letting technology assist. Instead of letting it be your master, and I think that those are the things that that we forget about because you still you, you need to put in time to tell a great story you need to put in time to like really ask yourself why you're telling this story uh, and I think with with money before people used to get. Development money to be able to develop a story before even getting into production. You don't get that anymore because mm-hmm. there's no, a, a lot of producers get frustrated with that because, you know, seeking money, the people aren't given a lot of money. There's no development money. Uh, and I think a lot of people rush into production. And again, I'm guilty as this, uh, you know, in the past, just as anybody else, uh, but you're rushing into production. Um, Without really developing the story and I think that's the other thing that affects filmmakers and I think all filmmakers should take pride in the story that they're gonna tell because it is a lot of work and it is years off of your life so you really want to make sure that it's a story that you want to tell so if you're gonna go out and do it and you're gonna spend two years really. If it's a
2: narrative. If it's Two a years, if it's a narrative, it's a and you've got the script already done. Yeah. If you're doing, like, documentary, or, and I'm speaking from experience here, if you're doing documentary, you have to follow your story, and that can take much longer.
0: The documentaries especially, and I respect that process because you have so so much footage that you have to go through and just the, the stories changing that's just years and years of uh, being able to work on something that you that you deeply care about and that's why you have to know why you want to do it mm-hmm. uh, and especially a narrative and anything and I think those are a lot of the questions that people don't ask so before I even do a project even if it's for branding even if it's some commercial work uh, I really have to ask myself uh, what's the next step for me how is this going to help uh, me is it is it a project that I really want to do is it something that uh I'm uh, there helping people, um, trying to do do some good. Uh, you know, a lot of the branding stuff, we, we did a lot of, you know, pharmaceutical ads here and there that we got to be creative on. But it was helping the patient, and that, that storyline helped the patient um, talk to other patients. So that, you know, you, you always have to ask yourself those questions because if if you don't know why you're doing something, um then it's it's going to show not only in your work uh but also just on your physical person because this this industry it's is gonna draining. wear you out it's it's great it's a great industry but
2: what what about for consumers of of independent film what do you think is missing from that conversation, or maybe misunderstood about about independent film from the the audience perspective?
0: I think that people don't give the audience enough credit, especially um women and older. Uh, the, the older age group, uh, a film that I had Wednesday's child uh, did its festival runs. And there's, so, I never knew that there was this many people that loved short film. They go out to film festivals. They have no reason to meet other filmmakers other than to just go out and, and see film non-filmmakers. You mean non-filmmakers, mm-hmm. non-filmmakers going out, husband and wife, boyfriend, w- whatever, going out, checking out a film. And one of the best Q and A's that I've ever had, uh, we were at this film festival in South Haven, Michigan. And there, with Wednesday's Child, there was a story about a nine-year-old girl. It's a dark comedy uh, about a nine-year-old girl who never really meant to kill her parents. So <laughs> I mean,
2: things happen things sometimes. Happen, you
0: know, <laughs> we all kill our parents at some point. Right?
2: Who hasn't who been hasn't? there?
0: <laughs> uh, but it was just fascinating that it was a it was a half hour Q and A, the longest I've ever had. And I don't every uh, it was all women that were in there, and they asked. I don't intelligent questions, but they just really had such a great conversation wanting to know about the process, wanting to know about that little girl, wanting mm. to know about the story. Uh, and even as they're watching online, I get, uh, I get a lot of responses from that from, uh, an older audience. Uh, and I think we, we seem to forget that, you know, there other than, you know, the 18 to 25 year olds, there's really a market. Uh, and especially that's where technology helps because you could really, uh, focus in on the market that you want on those niche markets. Um, and I, and I really do feel like the older audience, um, re- really embrace film. Uh, that I I don't think a lot of people give credit to.
2: Hmm, Interesting. Coming up after news, on the other side of news, we're going to talk with producer, writer, and director, and editor. It seems like that's another thing. Lots of hats being worn by people in in the film industry. Uh, We're going to talk with Averill Speaks uh, about about her work and and some of her projects. And and we're going to talk to her. That's coming up after the 8 o'clock news. But, uh, you know, I think you've hit on something really interesting. And and I want to talk a little bit later in the show about... About distribution and about how we get our work in front of people, no matter what kind of creative work it is. Recently, in the news, we saw Spielberg like he's very angry about Netflix and Hulu and all. Like he's very, very angry. I mean, he's really hanging on very tightly to no, this is the model I know, and therefore people need to go to a movie theater and watch a movie. And then in a year, it will come out on video. And I don't want that challenge. And he seems like very, very upset about it. And it reminds me when. This conversation was happening in the music industry when Napster hit, when all of that was happening and everybody was kind of scrambling. Some musicians said, okay, I'm not going to make as much money on my music, but I'm going to tour. I'm just going to tweak the business model. Metallica just started suing everybody and they're like, nope, we're not going to change. We're not going to do anything different. We're going to stay with this business model. Now I think that conversation is a little bit different, but it does remind me of a very Metallica-esque move from Spielberg to just be like... No, we have to just yeah. stay on the way it's always been done. And, and I get that. I mean, having worked at a newspaper for a long oh, time, sure. I get that. You know, when suddenly we had to make the paper smaller and thinner and fewer pages and put more things online than
0: than in print. I get that. But he clin- did E.T., didn't he? Like you're talking about Mr. Technology. Exactly, ET, right. E.T., JAWS, AI. <laughs> right. like-
2: Roll with it, guys. Yeah. yeah, open up a Yeah. <laughs> so it, it just seems like the people who... Cling to the old way of doing things forever and say it's never going to evolve. That doesn't always work out because it's, it, it, audience behavior changes and you kind of have to embrace that. So, lots, again, lots of topics here as we start unpacking something that seems straightforward. But we're going to take a little break and then go to news and all that good stuff back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty, WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guth here on the Saturday Night Special, and we're talking about independent film in Chicago. So, how can we not play that song when we're talking about films that make us think of Chicago? For that iconic scene in Risky Business, sliding out with the socks in front of the stairs. Of course, of course. Really like really? that. Yes, good one. Nicely done. So independent film tonight. So we are talking all about many aspects of it. We're talking about challenges. We're talking about uh, gifts and challenges from the digital disruption of film. We're talking about lots and lots of stuff. We are joined tonight by special guest co-host Rocco Cataldo is here. He's founder and principal at Potenza Productions and is an Emmy award-winning director himself. And now we're joined by phone by... S- there's a lot going on in this bio, so there's I got to summarize here, but I'm going to tweet this out after because uh, uh, our next guest, Avril Speaks, uh, is a producer, a writer, director, and editor. She was associate producer on the TNT docu series American Race, and is the lead producer on the feature film Jin, which premiered at South by Southwest last year and won special jury recognition for writing. That's just the first two sentences of this bio, so let's get this person on the phone right now. <laughs> Avril, hi! Thanks for being with us. Hi. Hi, Avril. Hi, guys! Thanks for having me on. Gladly, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're. Uh, it's a couple hours earlier on the West Coast. Appreciate you uh, checking in with us around dinner time. Um, so, tell, <laughs> let's start by ta- tell us a bit about the about the film Jen, that you've, you've re- more more recently worked on.
1: Yeah, so Jen is a coming-of-age story. Uh, it's a story about a teenage girl and all well, about how her life changes when her mother converts to Islam. And um, so it's an interesting story. It's a, You know, it's about a teenager trying to, trying to discover her own identity and um, just find her place in the world. And her mom kind of introduces this new thing into the mix. And it's all about how she, you know, struggles to identify with that.
2: And as far as your your process and or approach uh as a producer and and again you wear a lot of hats so you do a lot of things and I'm sure that that uh, contributes to your approach as a producer. Um but but kind of what is your general philosophy when you go into a project as a producer? Uh you know we've been talking a lot about the role of digital and how the film industry has changed us in the last couple of years. We've been talking about that so far on the program, but but how what is your approach like when you begin a project?
1: yeah I mean, I always look at story I, you know because I have a background in writing and directing um I think my my approach to any project that I work on is always story first and um you know what is the story? is this the you know i I tend to be really drawn toward human stories the stories that um you know and that may sound kind of cliche, but I mean it does kind of put me in that zone of like what are those stories that are just really human? And really nuanced, I always look for those stories that um, you know that we haven't seen like a, have a perspective that we haven't seen before and so um, I'm always looking for those those kinds of things and um, you know I, I usually approach it like you know just figuring out what is the director's angle because I feel like every director has an angle or a, you know a point a specific point of view and an entryway into the story. And so I try to really be supportive of the director and of that original voice and that original um, inspiration for the story itself. So I kind of start there. And then, um, you know, just kind of move from there and, and, and finding the right platform for it. I mean, you're talking about, you know, digital platforms and, and how that's changed the game. You know, that that becomes a big part of my process is figuring out, figuring out that part of the landscape. It's like, you know... As a producer, it's always like, "Can this sell? will this sell, and where will it sell you know and so um even just looking at kind of all these different platforms that we have available and kind of what is the right piece. <laughs> Where, where does this fit in that whole landscape so it can be um, it can be a challenge to try to figure that out but um, I guess I would say that would be my, my process and kind of my, my starting point
2: well it's interesting that, that you say that and, I, and I'm glad to hear it because I, I feel like so much lately when we're talking about film there seems to be this uh, like this decline of original idea it, there's so many sequels mm-hmm. and so many of them are so cool and they're great and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with a sequel or a remake but it seems like like you, just, it's like wait, did all of the the entire canon of work from the '80s just get redone? Like, what just happened here? And so, I, I think that that focus on that original storytelling is is so important. And I I, I keep hoping we're entering like a, a a new era, like a renaissance of original storytelling yeah. after all these uh, after all these remakes and sequels.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's it's kind of sad in in a sense that. You know, so much, uh, particularly in the studio system, a lot of it is centered around remakes and reboots, and you know, sequels, and you know, it's it's all things that we kind of know the storyline. You know, I see in you know, independent filmmaking is kind of where we see a lot of these really original stories happening, and um, you know, and and we, I think we've seen some real gems come out. Um, I would love to see more. You know. I feel like, you know, I grew up in the in the eighties and the nineties and I just remember when, you know, there were you know, you you had kind of that boom of, of independent filmmakers coming out who were like making really bold choices and really bold films and it was a really exciting time and you know, I kinda wanna get back to back to that era where independent film is, is thriving and um yeah, I just I, I just hope that there would be more support for those original stories.
2: Yeah. What about specific challenges that you've encountered as a producer uh at, or maybe specific challenges you see facing the independent film community right now and, and kind of where you see the way out or the way around them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I I see one of the biggest challenges is support. And I mean, that comes from a number of different arenas, like you know, it's a challenge to find support to finance those independent films because everybody has their eyes so much on the remakes and the, you know the, the films that they know can make money. That um, it can be difficult to find support in the way of, uh, of financing. So that's a challenge. Um, and then I'll also say, you know, even on the on the other side of the of the coin, there's the, there's it's a challenge for support. In terms of distribution and getting those films out, you know, so you could you could, you know, find the means to make the film, but then getting that film out and into the world and onto a platform where people can see it is a challenge. And then if you even take that a step further and talk about the challenge of uh, getting the audience to see it, which is which is kind of a marketing thing, but you know, I think it also has to do somewhat with audience appetite. And I think you know, letting people know that these films are out there, that they're that they do have another choice of films to to watch, other than you know just the latest blockbuster or the latest sequel. Um, you know, because people don't always know that they that they have that choice. So we really need that support in terms of marketing dollars to get the word out about these great films that exist that are original stories and that you know are just are just really unique and um, and and heartfelt. And so. Um, I think sometimes the appetite for um, you know for something new. I think people are so used to seeing the same thing all over you know over and over again that sometimes it's a little difficult for them for you know for independent films to kind of break through the noise and find those audiences that that would really like the type of content that independent filmmakers are trying to make. So um, yeah, I would definitely say that that is a that is a challenge for for independent filmmakers. Um, you know and as far as you know how to combat those challenges you know I have been you know really sort of wrestling with this with that question myself as a producer um, and thinking kind of what are our alternatives what are some alternative methods for independence um, in terms of uh, you know how do we kind of flip this model on its head or or even just how do we kind of take what we know about how the model of distribution works and kind of um put ourselves in a position to take more ownership of it um you know i've even been you know our film went to uh south by southwest as you mentioned and you know just in talking with some other filmmakers and other producers our our film was distributed you know kind of traditionally um our film was, was was picked up by mgm orion classics but like you know, I've talked to some filmmakers who are saying, you know, we're going to distribute this film ourselves, you know, and we're going to take that model. We're going to call the theaters. We're going to, you know, and you know, I think that now kind of with social media, the tools for people to be able to do that are a little bit more accessible. Um, and it may not be for everyone, but, uh, you know, just kind of looking at that as an option. This is just, I think, you know, in terms of um, coming against those challenges. I think it's just being open to what some of the alternative methods might be, that you know, give us as independent filmmakers, give us a little bit more control and a little bit more um, exposure. That we've been wanting
0: to see so so avril with with that you have you have the money you're sitting in a room uh with a director she or he's about ready you're the day before you're going to shoot uh and you're there you got the money regardless of what the budget is you have everything and it's a go what would you say? What would kind of be your pep talk to that director uh, that you're sitting in front of right before you right before you're going to embark on this adventure? Like with with your experience, even being a director yourself, a writer going through this process with Jin, uh, what would be the, the the one advice? Say, me and you were sitting in a room getting ready to do uh, a movie, knowing what it is that you know. What would be the pep talk before we like, all right, break team, let's go. <laughs>
1: I would say, well, it's showtime. <laughs> You're on now. You're on. <laughs> um, you know, I I think my 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 um you know pep talk and my piece of advice would just be don't let all the all the, you know it, the thing with like film sets they get so like technical and um frenetic, especially with independent films because we're we're usually running on such a time clock like everything is like we gotta get this now ah! like everything is so you know urgent, you know, and I just want to encourage directors to stay true to their vision. Remember why we're all here. Like we're all here because of this great script that you've written and you have to stay true to that. Um, no matter what the cost. And I mean, you know, there are people like me and AD who are going to be on set to try to, you know, balance that out in terms of the time that we have and, you know, whatever, but like, you know, the director has to hold on to that vision because at the end of the day, you know, they're going to be the ones, uh, you know, kind of left with that footage, you know what I mean? And sure. sitting in that editing room and trying to put the pieces together. So I would say, uh, you know, hold tight to that vision and, you know, stay focused. Stay focused because, like I said, it can be really easy to get so involved in the technical stuff and. Um, you know what's going to happen, but when you get ready to go into production, it's showtime, and you know we got to put everything else aside. And, and yeah, you think about the technical stuff, you know, as 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 necessary, or whatever. But you know, we got to think about we got a story to tell, and I think that's the that's the the the, the key there is there's a story to be told. It's not just that we have pages to shoot; we, we have a story to tell.
2: Yeah, indeed. You're also a contributing writer uh, to DearProducer.com, which is one of my daily reads. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that site mm-hmm. a lot. There's, uh, you know, so for for those listening who who may not know about that site, it's really uh, kind of showing you behind the scenes of of a lot of insight of a lot of producers that have been there and done that, and you can really get a a wonderfully different, per- uh, you know, an array of perspectives on di- uh, directing and producing different kinds of work, making a producer happy when you're working with a producer, you know, and all that yeah. kind of thing. What I wonder is, you know, for someone who's not in the film industry, someone just like in the audience who's thinking, I, I I, do want independent film to thrive. I do recognize that the model is changing and I want to support independent filmmakers from your point of view, because I know you've you've studied this a lot uh, academically as well. From your point of view, what what is the number one thing that consumers can be doing right now to support and grow independent film and independent filmmakers?
1: Watch them. <laughs> yeah. Easy I mean, enough. <laughs> I mean, really, I just like everything in this business is driven by dollars, you know, and we need that. We, it's like anytime, time, um, you know, a lot of times when I walk into meetings or what have you with, an, you know, I have this script that's an original script that, you know, is an independent filmmaker or what have you. They want to know, is this, you know, is anybody going to go see this movie? And so if i you know I have to have you know films that are comparable to that film, but I have to be able to prove that audiences actually will go see this type of movie, and you know kind of like what I was saying before, like you know some of that comes back, comes back you know the those some with the, excuse me with those challenges some of that comes back to audience and like we need people to go and support these films and you know go on sites like dear producer go on sites like you know film independent or or um you know whatever your local organization is in Chicago, and or you know, and go to those local those um, independent theater houses. Like when you're on Fandango, and you look up what what's playing at the AMC, what's playing at the you know whatever. Also look at those independent cinemas as well, and those independent theaters, and see what's 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 playing, and go support those films. You know, a lot of times, you know, I I I happen to love independent films. Like I that is my heartbeat like i feel like those are the films that inspire me the most those are the films that you know i just i get really excited about and you know there are some films that just really fall on the radar because you know i'll go to a theater to go see it and it's me and you know two other people sitting there and you know it's a two-edged tour because a lot of times it's because people don't know that the that the film is out but um I would just encourage, you know, someone who is not in the film business, you know, that's some place you can start is, you know, uh, go in your your neighborhood. There's got to be some type of art house cinema. Just check it out. You just never know what kind of gems you'll find in there. Check it out. Go see it. Go see it with your friends. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Get on social media. Tell people about it. That's what's going to help grow the independent film community and grow our audience. Um, is if people go and see it? <laughs> yeah,
2: it, it seems like some some very smart and enterprising person needs to build out. There's a stopgap there of needing some kind of discovery tool, especially as people are distributing yes. like right to video on demand or doing that hybrid model of of distribution in different ways. Yeah. And and I think that's cool because it brings it, it forces a lot of creativity from from the person who's self distributing or a small team that's distributing. But uh, I think somebody could there, there's there's some tool. Sing. someone needs uh, the, free, yeah. there free idea everybody someone take that and run with it <laughs> right, Some, right. <laughs> somebody make that discovery that kind of discovery tool because sometimes it doesn't make it to the theater sometimes it's just kind of sitting online somewhere you got to find that so those are where th- i'm going to make yep. a to-do list yep. that's going to be the first thing <laughs> on it sounds good all right we, we, we've been talking with avril speaks you can find out more about the film at Jen, jinn film.com and of course you can find out about avril at azuspeak.com thanks so much for being with us tonight avril really appreciate your time
1: thank you thank
2: you thank you so much for having me you bet all right we're gonna take a little break and go to news all the good stuff back in just a bit here on 720 WGN 720 WGN It's Amy Guth here on the Saturday Night Special. Had to stop and sing along to that one for a second. I spared you by not turning on my microphone yet (laughs) because nobody wants to hear me singing along to this song. Uh, However, it's a Saturday Night Special, and we're talking, as ever, about one big topic all evening, and that topic is independent films and independent filmmaking, especially right here in Chicago. So, of course, we're going to play a song from a John Hughes movie. Of course, that great scene in A Breakfast Club. That's a great movie. Amazing. That still gets the
0: pump, the blood pumping.
2: I know. That's a great. it's a good one. It's a good one. Well, we have a co-host, as you might have just heard. Uh, We have a co-host. Tonight, that's Rocco Cataldo. He's founder and principal at Potenza Productions, and he's also an Emmy-winning... Director, he's here tonight with us talking about uh, this topic about independent filmmaking. We were just talking just a little bit ago with uh, Avril Speaks, who is a woman that wears many many hats. She's yes. a producer, a writer, director, editor. She's done lots of cool stuff. Uh, we'll be sure and tweet out her website and all that. I just, if you're following me on Twitter, I just tweeted out something where you can find that film, Jen Film, that we were talking about. But uh, Avril raised a lot of interesting points. I thought. like we've been, sure. uh, you know, we've been talking about a lot of different aspects of independent filmmaking. Mm-hmm independent films tonight and she really uh zeroed in on how the distribution model has, is changing and i think that's such a big part of it you know earlier in the program we were talking um really about how uh digital has changed pre-production and production and and uh, in a bigger way, you know, like your persona and, and your brand as a director and all of that kind of thing. But once the film's made, it's ready to go. Distribution seems like an area where there's been a lot of change in yeah. recent years. And every time uh, it seems like everybody's up on things, there's a new tool and there's a new platform or, or something like that that's happening. Uh, you know, where where have you seen the biggest changes in distribution with those digital tools?
0: Uh, online, online is commonplace, right? That's where all films are going. That's where all films, uh, get distributed. Uh, you have easy access. Uh, you have things like YouTube or even Vimeo that have like the pro channels that, um, uh, you can distribute your film, your own website, uh, you know, your demo reels that you have up on your website where you can showcase films, uh, iTunes.
2: Let me ask you this. Where do you stand on when people make social media accounts for a project? That's true. I kind of hate it. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I kind of hate it. Because here's the thing. If, if you say, hey, follow me on social media, mm-hmm. you're saying, I'm going to give you value. Let's, yeah. let's consent to get each other's content.
0: Completely agree.
2: And if you're going to, if like a book or a film follows me, I'm like, I appreciate what you're doing, but I would rather follow you, the director or mm-hmm. you, the production company than like your film, because that film, once I watch it, I've learned from it. Exactly. Then I don't need anything else from it. So if you're asking me to like follow it on Facebook, you're saying make a lifetime commitment to get content from me about this film that once you once you watch, you're gonna be done with. I don't like it.
0: I don't like it either. And I'm glad that you brought that up. I didn't want to be like an old curmudgeon here. <laughs> no, but like, I think it's it, a thing. It's, it's a problem. It's a thing. It is a problem. It's some you know, it's those things, those little things that annoy me. I mean, I think that's yeah, great, you're putting it out there, but once the film is done. There's no shelf life after that. Like, what are we going to follow? To your point, like, what are you? What are you going to give me now on on social media? See, I might as well follow the filmmakers behind I'd, it.
2: Yeah, I'd rather follow a filmmaker for yeah. the long term, or or even their production company, or something like that, to get to learn about their work like oh i like this filmmaker i'm going to learn about their work and i yeah. i'd love to see their next thing and and it's the social part of social media that makes it work yeah. so to me i think that's tricky anyway i threw you off track no. so you were making a good point Great. about about online distribution platforms not so it seems like more and more filmmakers are are claiming a lot bigger creative control mm-hmm. when because of this i think sure. this has been a gift to a lot of filmmakers i think it's still overwhelming to a lot of filmmakers because as the same thing that happened with a lot of other creative industries, especially publishing, uh, it's no longer here is my manuscript or here I file my story. You got to kind of deliver the paper too. Yeah. You know, you have to have that brand and you have to do that thing. Um, and and it seems like that has hit. It, it, the disruption has hit, and it required filmmakers to also be business people in yeah. a way that it wasn't required before. Do you feel like you know watching it from the outside? Or from the inside out for the for the last couple of decades. Do you feel like a lot of filmmakers have have struggled with taking that that business ownership? Or is this kind of a welcome thing or kind of both?
0: I think uh, I think it's kind of both, uh, but definitely I don't think it's welcome because at the end of the day, you want to be a filmmaker. You want to be an artist and you want to get it out there. And the business side of it uh, is a full-time job in and of itself. But I think uh, to Averill's point before when she was talking about trying to find a place where you can um, – um, to try to flip the flip the script and figure mm-hmm. out how else you can distribute. Um, I, I think that's key for filmmakers and really thinking outside the box. Because at the end of the day, just the world has changed in our industry, just like any other industry with technology and with the way uh, just the workforce is going. You're going to have to take on uh, a lot um, on, on your own and at least you know work with people that are better than you and understand the business side of it more. But I think uh, I think we're going to get back to the way the world. Uh, I don't know if this is a prediction, but I think uh, vaudeville is coming back soon. How do you mean? Um, I think that with technology and with the ability for filmmakers and creatives to take their work out mm-hmm. uh, because it's a lot easier now to you know get on social media. Hey, we're going to be at this place. Or we're going to be at that place. I think theaters, theaters matter. Mm-hmm. I think um, movie uh, cinemas, people still go to the cinemas. It's kind of like vinyl. Just because now you can listen to something on Spotify doesn't mean that you don't get that same satisfaction from vinyl and vinyl never went away. Looking
2: at you, Steven Spielberg. It never died. Looking at you.
0: Vinyl never <laughs> No, vinyl he never needs died, a yeah, vinyl never died, and I think yeah. it's the same in, thing in with fact, this.
2: it almost made like, yeah. uh, it made people uh, having the ability to to stream music suddenly made people kind of crave this tactile thing. yes, again, we saw this in other in other creative arenas. We saw in publishing how, Everything would go to Kindle. Yeah. There might be a paperback release, but then there'd be this like beautifully gold embossed, only a thousand copies of this limited edition, beautiful version of this book. Yep. We saw like a limited release vinyl when everything was being streamed. Like, I think that's very true. I think people still do want that kind of tactile thing.
0: They do, because it's a different experience where you're at a movie theater and you're watching a film with somebody. Uh, it's just having that the, the music and having the surround sound, watching it in the dark with other people and have, and seeing where other people react you're not going to get anything better than that.
2: But you think there'll be a resurgence of that somehow. It'll come back differently.
0: I think it'll come back differently because I think now uh, you do it like vaudeville. You could show the film and then have a performance of some sort. Like you could create your own little concerts and your own little venues and especially you can brand now uh, with social media and you have followers. You can say, hey, we're going to be at these towns and you can hit the niche market that you want to. So you can go to college towns that wouldn't necessarily get the premiere of a Hmm. film. And people should take advantage of that. And I think the more you look back at history, and the more you look back when people didn't have anything, how did they get out there? Uh, well, now that we do have everything, um, it's still difficult to get out there because you got to kind of weed through um, the, the, the masses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we're, we're going back in time, and I, again, I'm, I don't know if there's a prediction, I'm, something that I'm trying. Uh, I, I really think it's going to get back to the old vaudeville days where you take the show to the people and to the audience that you want and go cross-country and do it almost like uh, concerts.
2: So like going on a book tour.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's going a really on book interesting tour. idea. Going on a book tour and doing it yourself, meeting people and giving that value that you were mentioning earlier mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, sharing a conversation with somebody that was interested in the book that you wrote or the film or why did you do this? And I just think that there's a lot to be said about that. Now, you're going to need money to be able to go on the road. Then
2: you're going to have to fund that. Yeah,
0: but that's where the creativity comes in. And as filmmakers, I think we can get creative and find a way to do it and help each other.
2: Well, and and that, that kind of was where I was going with that initial question about the hybrid distribution model and how it's allowing filmmakers a lot more creative control. I think it's, it's difficult to say, okay, you also have to be a business person and do all this PR and do all this other stuff and wear all these other hats yourselves. Uh, but also it's, it seems like it's starting to spark a lot of interesting creativity just out of necessity. So I wonder with what you just said about your prediction that, that perhaps it'll be more of a book tour vaudeville kind of model for filmmakers. And I have a, a vested interest in this question because I also work at a film festival, uh, at the Midwest independent film festival. Um, do you think the role of film festivals will shift because I think there uh, people for a long time didn't feel like a film festival was was I'm going to do radio air quotes distribution but it seems like it 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 is because it doesn't take much to start generating a buzz like people email me about in that role all the time and say hey you should watch this film it's doing really great at yeah. festivals and that's that's an endorsement of hey the, like that's telling me there's buzz about this film I should definitely watch it and see if it's a good fit for this festival as I'm programming it so uh, do you see the role of the film festival changing to to if your vaudeville prediction is Mm -hmm. is happening which i think is a very good prediction do you think the film festivals will begin to morph to to answer to that
0: absolutely because they they're going to be like the radio stations right and i always compare everything to music they're going to be the station where you're going to to promote this piece of Mm -hmm. art that you've done uh, and have like-minded people there and even people that come to the film festival that aren't necessarily filmmakers but they just you know love movies i think they're going to play a really A bigger role in marketing um, that they, before there was just, you know, hey, can you buy my film or you did it to uh, try to get another movie done Mm -hmm. or try to get like your movie. I I think this is going to be mainly just marketing. I think uh, film festivals are going to get to that just marketing aspect, giving people more uh, the ability to invite an audience to watch their film and then move on yeah uh, and I stick to the musicians because I think as filmmakers even uh, as a director um, I would love to even you know work with another director and help each other get our films uh, out there kind of musicians do you know you have a lot of musicians you tour that, together like you, tour you open together. for that guy you're, you're on their track yeah right and you and, and I think there's something so um, wonderful about that and and I think filmmakers lose that because we're all uh, you know justifiably so we're all looking to make Uh, a little bit of money to make our own film right Mm -hmm. to get that funding so it's a little bit more difficult but i think since the world is just kind of the technology is not going to stop i think the more we consider ourselves like the musicians and helping each other out out as artists that way i just think the, the the world is our oyster there's a lot of creative things that we can do out there and 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 i think um you know that's the way to go so i think as filmmakers as avril said before not only the audience needs to help each other just go watch the movie so we can get out there but i think as filmmakers storytellers we should all kind of hop on uh, each other's stories and, and mm. help each other get to where we need to be
2: you just invented about seven things just now.
0: Not in trademarking.
2: Free ideas here at the end of the show. The end of Saturday night special, full of free ideas. Uh, we have a guest co-host tonight. That is Rocco Cataldo, you've been hearing from. He's an Emmy Award-winning director and founder and principal at Potenza Productions. We're gonna take a quick break back for more fun here on 720 WGN. I know. Morning, WGN. It's Amy Guth here, wrapping up the Saturday night special this evening. All the hits tonight. Coming from esteemed Producer Vivian Lanou, All these musical hits Thank you They've been awesome You got it Awesome It's like all the good Soundtrack hits Is what what we're doing Uh, We have a special guest Co-host tonight Rocco Cataldo Has been hanging out With us He is an Emmy Award Winning director And founder and principal At Potenza Productions Based here in Chicago And we've been talking About a lot of stuff Because that's what we do Here on this show We pick one topic That seems real Straightforward Tonight that topic Independent film Seems easy Go to an art house Just watch video on demand Go to vimeo on demand it's easy oh no there are so many topics there's so many pieces uh and paths leading in and out of this topic so right before the break Rocco, we were talking about um about the changing role of distribution or how distribution will change uh at least how you hope it will change and predict it might change and we started talking a little bit about film festivals and as i said i have a vested interest in that because i also work at the midwest independent film festival um but you know I think that warrants a little bit of conversation too, because and I know we have just minutes here, but for a long time, the classic thing was go to film festivals to get a little bit of buzz, but also hopefully to get distribution, get someone to buy your film and agree to distribute it. Where do you see that changing too as as the film festival you know we were talking a little bit about how more filmmakers are are taking more creative ownership of their work and distributing it themselves. You have a cool prediction about maybe it's going to go more like a book tour vaudeville kind of do it yourself tour. Um, How will you know, how will that change in terms of the purpose of going to a film festival?
0: You know, I I think the purpose of going to a film festival um, is is just going to be highlighted a lot more now for marketing. Uh, And I think it's important to take. I mean, how cool is it if you're a filmmaker, you have your short, you go to the Midwest Independent Film Festival and for the first time, you get to watch it with an audience on the big screen. You can't pay for that, so I think before the the it was always like, hey, you know, we're going to use it for marketing, but it was to get that other thing. Mm-hmm. Now I think the film festivals are going to be that other thing. It's a way for when you go to the Midwest Indie, that's going to be a day you get to meet filmmakers. That's what you're going to do. But forget about getting signed. If if it happens, great. If all of a sudden you know you have somebody out there that can sign you, of course nobody's going to turn that down. But it's about here we are at the Midwest Independent Film Festival, then here we are at this film festival, and using it to really showcase your film so you as a filmmaker can learn the business side of it what worked with the audience what didn't uh how was your q a what are things that you miss so you get to learn on the job while doing the same way a musician or even a comedian for that matter like you know you're always going to try your jokes out mm-hmm. at different things before you make an album i think as filmmakers that's the way we could utilize the, the the film festivals uh by talking about the film by experiencing it with other people to give you an idea of how to get better because maybe if i had a great showing at the middle the Midwest Indy, that just gave me an idea when I do the book tour that, hey, I'm going to hit this college town and the audience is the same. I'm going to do this a little bit bigger. So I think using it more as a learning tool hmm. uh, for your own business and for your own marketing.
2: Yeah, and having it seems like you'd have to go in with a mindset of having more ownership of your business, the film, ownership, yes. than, gosh, I hope they pick me. Exactly. You know, it seems like you have to make that shift for yourself as an artist. Exactly. So my favorite question is, we're, we're winding down the clock, we got about a minute left. I love to ask creative people about advice they would give themselves if you could go back to yourself starting out as a filmmaker what would you what advice would you give to yourself as a young filmmaker
0: (laughs) i would say (laughs) rocco um it's it's all about what you do when you're not busy that's going to make you Successful and keep you successful when you are busy. So it's about those moments uh, when you have nothing to do because, as an artist, when um, it can look dark for a long time, but you got to keep getting creative. If you're a filmmaker, you have to keep telling stories. You have to be, uh, you know, just researching however your creative process is. You have to treat it like a job and keep it your creative process. Then, when you're busy, you don't have time to think about it, then that's great. You're busy, you're working, you're on set, you're doing your stuff, but it really is all about when you're not busy and how you occupy your time that's going to ultimately determine how successful you're going to be when you're actually working and Mm -hmm. and doing your thing because I think that's um, the filmmakers just get really down like "Oh, I have nothing going on you got to treat it like a job as hard as it is you got to be a storyteller eight hours a day Mm -hmm. and and do your thing because it's it's those times when you're not busy that are really going to determine how how successful yeah. or how you can keep success once you get it.
2: Yeah, so it seems like it's about habit building, but it's yeah. also like keeping your craft sharp, your skills sharp. Exactly. And keeping yourself motivated. Exactly. seems like a lot of, a lot of common themes every time I ask <laughs> a creative person that question. Well, thank you very much for co-hosting tonight. Thank you so much us. for having me. Uh, for those of you who tuned in late, this will be available at WGNRadio.com and if you follow me on social media, I'll be sure and tweet it out. Thank you again to producer Vivian Linnea. We're going to be running. Uh, We're going to go to break, then we're going to go to news, and then we're going to turn things over to Dave Hoekstra back in just a bit here on 720 WGN.